Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Have you heard of the magical place where you can discover hundreds of kids' podcasts in one safe spot? Storytopia is a podcast app created for kids. It's a space where parents, kids, and caregivers can discover the best kids' podcasts. Storytopia is an incredible tool to help educate and entertain your curious kids. Discover wonderfully whimsical stories, unlock and uncover shocking science facts and learn the history of everything from Hypatia to hot dogs. Discovery starts as soon as you download the Storytopia app. Find it in the Apple App Store or at Storytopia.com. Storytopia, S-T-O-R-I-T-O-P-I-A dot com. Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. I'm Robin Robertson and welcome to Season 7. I'm excited to have you here. So, as you know, if you have been enjoying and love this podcast, I appreciate your support and you can do so by offering a review, by leaving a review, which always helps five star or leave comments and then I get to share those wonderful comments as well or join my Patreon community which really specifically helps not only offer gives you support, direct support through my live Q&A and other downloads and resources, but it also directly helps me to continue creating these episodes for this podcast. And that's through the financial support that Patreon offers. So you can go to patreon.com slash honey, I'm homeschooling the kids. And I have a wonderful episode that I know you're going to enjoy. Shannon Lauks has joined me For this episode, it has been a wonderful conversation. She's a mom, a home-educating mom to two now-grown young men, and she shares her stories and experiences as well as a little bit of guidance from her amazing book, Love More, which I find applies to not only homeschooling parents, but every parent, whether your child is going to school, whether your child is homeschooling or unschooling because really it's based on 50 ways to build joy into childhood. And so much of that is different ways that we can connect as parents. So Shannon considers herself a fierce defender of childhoods. And ever since her first job, she has sought out opportunities to be in the presence of children as they explore the world around them. From babysitter to camp counselor to a degree in education to finally landing as a full-time witness of fun to two boys who have become her greatest teachers. And each of these opportunities has led Shannon to believe in the power of play and partnership as a way to bring about more joy with the byproduct of love into the lives of those who hold the biggest spaces in our hearts. Enjoy this episode, and I would love to hear your feedback on it as well. Welcome. Today, I have Shannon Lauks joining me today, and I'm actually very excited to have Shannon on the show. Thank you so much for being here, Shannon. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I love your content online, and so I'm looking forward to this conversation. Fantastic. Uh, Actually, I first heard of you or were connected with you through Sue Patterson on Clubhouse. And yeah, so that was the first time I actually, like I, you know, I saw you in, because I think you were one of the admins in her club for a bit, or you were helping out in her, in her unschooling club. And of course, I think there was one time that I joined a room and then I checked, you know, I looked for you. I looked at your website and learned a little bit more and yeah. And you're actually someone that I always had in mind to connect with. 
So when you reached out, I was very excited. Um, I actually just want to say that Shannon reached out because she has her new book out called Love More, 50 Plus Ways to Build Joy into Childhood. And it is fantastic. It's highly recommended. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, so I'm really excited to talk about it today. Plus your experience of coming into writing this book and having children who were home educated as well. So yes, I have done all of those. Yeah. And now they're big men in the world, <laughs> 18 and 20. 18. Okay. I was going to say, yeah. So tell us a little bit about you and yeah, your family and how you came into the learning life and came into the life you have today. All right. So yeah, I have two boys, 18 and 20 now. They've always been at home, um, learning at home. My background is an educator. I have a degree in education. I have my early childhood certificate. Um, and the biggest piece for me was graduating with this degree and stepping into a classroom and just realizing that wasn't the place where the like aha moments of learning were going on. Mm -hmm. That there was so much for the kids to figure out in a classroom that wasn't about learning. And so I was a little bummed out that it wasn't what I dreamed this education career would be. And so then I quickly found myself in alternative learning environments, preschools, recreation, where the focus was on play and the learning that came from that. So when I got pregnant with my first son, um, I was already working part-time. And so it was really easy to make the transition to being at home with them mm -hmm. uh, because we didn't need my necessarily. We just immediately started relying on my husband's income. And it just never made sense for me to go back to working with other people's children Right. And take my kids to someone else. And I right. also never, under, like the, the biggest thing I didn't understand in within my career was what happened at the age of five that suddenly they were big enough to sit still and to be quiet when their little bodies were still wanting to explore through play and to, um, yeah, like learn in that tactile way. And so... We just, yeah, we started out attachment parenting quite, it's funny. I think it all happened intentionally, but accidentally. And so yeah. mm -hmm. like I met my first son and I had the beautiful bedroom ready for him and he was going to sleep in his own bed and all of these things. Then he came along and slept in our bed and extended breastfeeding and, you know, it sort of all went along that path. And so it just made sense to continue following their lead um, as they got older, what are they curious about? Where is the learning taking them? And so that just laid the foundation for us. Right. So what do you think? You know, I think that's a great question. And it's something that's come up for me as well, especially when we, when, you know, I've worked in alternative education too. And when you have some, um, let's say educational philosophies that are very immersive in child-led learning or play. Um, you know, I think of like uh, something like Reggio, for example, or, you know, some other example or kind of, you know, centers like that or places like that where it's beautiful for kids up to the age of five. And then, but, but then it's like the, I've, you know, the question of, but won't they want this to continue? <laughs> Why at five or six is now it all of a sudden change when it seems that at that age, they are still absolutely, you know, exploring and learning and, and all of the things that we provided in that environment. Why, why doesn't it continue? We'll go further on. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, honestly, the reason we have a system, right? <laughs> like mm -hmm. the school system needs certain outcomes. And so I just think that if you look at the history of education, right, it came into place during the industrial revolution. And the goal was a, to have somewhere for the children to go while people worked in the factory between certain hours, as well as to have a, a certain level of worker that came out of that system. So I think that that's sort of the roots of the school system and it hasn't really been reimagined. And so we continue to sort of I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll just like reveal more about myself. I do think it all comes down to systems of repression and capitalism and that sort of thing. Right. And we're trying to 
mold our kids in there within the school system just because we don't have the resources for something better or different. And children aren't a priority in our society. And so we're, there's not the push to re-examine. Mm. Okay. Okay. Children aren't a priority in our society. Okay. I've never heard it put yeah. that way. And yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, so I think, yeah. Continue. Well, I was just going to say, I think if they were, we would be looking at healthier, we would be looking at education that was about the child and not about the adults. Mm. Absolutely. Okay. So saying that as well, and you had kind of alluded to this too, and you, you know, you said you, you know, obviously there's values or priorities that you have, but then you also kind of felt like you fell into parenting. I, you know, I think we have these ideas and ideals when we first start out, like you said, you had the bedroom ready and, you know, all these things planned out, but then, you know, we give, you know, we have our child, whether, you know, we become parents in different ways, but we have this beautiful being that we're caring for and loving. And those expectations all of a sudden don't seem to fit with what's the reality of what we have in front of us and what's connected to us as well. So, but when you began, what are, or even now as well, what are some of the values when it comes to learning and living that are important for your family or that stand out for your family that fits well with home educating and the life you're living? Yeah, I think for us, we, when the boys were really little, we invited them into like creating a family mission statement. And they were so little that it was more about like sort of grabbing onto some of the words they were saying and what are. And so we started out with the intention to unite in our commitment to love one another unconditionally. And that sort of like fell uh, the, the crux of all of our decision-making. And um, from that grew, for me anyways, the priority was to stay connected to my kids. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be in their life. I wanted to be someone they trusted, not when they were three and reliant on me. Of course, I wanted to be a trusted mm -hmm. person then. But now that they're 18 and 20, I wanted to keep that role. And so as you're going along and the kids are growing and changing, you have so many struggles and so many hard places that you come to. And if for me, I would ask myself, is my answer or my action going to bring us closer together or create distance? Hmm. And it was always make, trying to make the choice that kept us connected instead of created that distance. Of course, I made the wrong decision over and over again, but I could return to repair that distance. If my, you know, like if it was always about remaining connected and being a partner in their lives instead of a power over in their lives. And so I think those are like the two threads that stand out the most to me is like partnering with instead of powering over and putting the connection as the priority. Because I don't think that that is necessarily promoted or valued in our current society, like prioritizing connection. Because mm. um, I, I just wanted them to know they were, they were more important than any stress ball that was going to like come between us, right? It was like, this is what we have was going to be a priority. Right. So what about home educating? How did that fit into it? Or well, and how did so, you get into that even? Yeah. And so it just never, like I was saying earlier, it never made sense for me to send my kids to go and learn from somebody else when I could be, we we're already living off of one salary. So it was like, okay, if I can be home with them, I can understand, like I can do better <laughs> because I know them the best. I know the things that are going to excite them. I can listen to them. I can follow their lead instead of a system that is doing the best that it can under the pressures it's under. Yeah. But I had this unique relationship with my kids. And so I could see where their learning wanted to take them. And it just was a natural extension of how we were already living together. Like at no point did it make sense to interrupt this beautiful thing that we were doing together from the start. Um, and they had, you know, throughout, they had the option to go to school. Like I never villainized school and, and made it like this terrible thing. It was always an option, but they were happy in the learning that they were doing. 
um, and they wanted, you know, to maintain the freedom to direct their, their learning. Right. Okay. I'm Meredith, the creator of Storytopia, a kid's podcast app designed to make podcast discovery easy and safe. As a mom of a young and curious child, that's me. I've spent a lot of time searching for age-appropriate podcast content. Not only has it been challenging to find the right content, but nearly all podcast players are designed for adults, making it difficult for me to feel comfortable about kid-led discovery. Storytopia was built to solve this problem. Parents can download the app, create a parent profile, then create individual kid profiles selecting their age and favorite categories. This helps us automate a playlist of podcast recommendations based on each child's unique interests. Little listeners can also customize playlists with podcasts they know and love, or explore the library of podcasts by category or location. Playlists can consist of just one show and all of its episodes. For when you want to binge a show like Bobby Wonder's Six Minutes. Or a list of curated episodes about a specific topic. We recently created a playlist with lots of different shows about ancient Egypt and the 100-year-old discovery of King Tut's tomb. Join us and discover with Storytopia. Download the app today on the Apple App Store or go to our website at storytopia.com. S-T-O-R-I-T-O-P-I-A.com. What will you discover with Storytopia? So I know just in case anyone is maybe new to you that's listening or maybe even new to this podcast and you're talking about how you kind of, you know, came into home education, it was the right fit. You are, you were, uh, you have a degree in education and early childhood uh, and, and talking about your children self-directed that learning. What did that look like? So for someone who's like, okay, this is interesting. I, I, I agree with this or I hear you. And I'm interested for my kids, but like, but then what? Like, you know, you feel it, you you value it. How, what does that look like when you put it into practice? One of my favorite examples is my oldest son was in, still is in love with hockey. And so it started at age five. Canadian roots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> not get enough of hockey. And so, okay, he's in, he is like, interested. He's ready for information. And so he quickly learned all of the provinces of Canada based on who's got a hockey team and who doesn't have a hockey right. team. Right. So there you just like, you naturally have this learning about you know, like what you like, what's a city? Well, Vancouver is the city that your favorite team is in. The province is British Columbia, which is part of the country. And so it's using that, you know, they're, they're already amped for information mm -hmm. and so by following his lead to hockey that allowed him to stay engaged in the learning and so we then you know math math was so easy to integrate because he wanted to know who had the most points you get points for a goal you get points for an assist what does goals against average mean so there's just all of this data that's naturally available based on the place where they're already curious or interested in so i think that that's how i would define it or explain it is like seeing what your children are naturally interested in and have that passion and then seeing that you know, like all of the learning can fall within there. There's hundreds of books on hockey. They're from, you know, books on facts, from books, storybooks. Um, you know, the there's one about the sweater. I think it has to do with yeah. the Toronto Maple the sweater. Yeah. It's called the sweater. Yeah. yeah. It's a famous, yeah. if you're Canadian, you probably, yeah, it's a famous exactly. book in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So there, so I think that that's like when you're starting in the place of seeing what lights your child up and then just building the learning based on that. There was hockey games we could go to, you know, there was, he even all these videos of him with his own like camera hey guys it's cup talk with mitch and so like <laughs> and then like he would watch the hockey game in full hockey gear <laughs> like be making the save so it's just like immersing in their world and seeing what lights them up and then you create that environment for them by having the books available by having the conversations ready right is he still a hockey fan Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> he is, uh, he studies the Vancouver Canucks. He was just listening to the post game show. We watched the game together last night. Um, he and I 
I both play hockey because when he was about 16, he had fallen out of hockey, but the interest was still there. So I actually signed up to do a beginner hockey class and not like, he was like, Oh, you're going to play hockey. So now we both drive to the ring together. And so it's been a sweet, sweet place of connection for us over the years. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. I love that story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like totally pulls up my heart. Okay. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. And it's such a great example of, you know, like, well, following an interest in passions and listening to our kids, but also the ways of being present and yeah, building that connection, which I mean, obviously, you said that's been a, a big value for your family, but um, and I, I know I've talked about this lots. You know, people have shared this on the show and in other conversations. But how the hidden gift of homeschooling or home education, self-directed learning, whatever you happen to even want to call it, of what you're doing, you know, it's is that like getting to know your kids on an intimate level and building that relationship con- and connection. Not saying it's always perfect. You know, no. not saying it's always like yes, I've, you know, this is you know, fairyland where we all are, you know, dancing through the flowers. Um, But that's also part of it (laughs) are those times where when that connection is built, those times where they are rough uh, allows you to go back to that connection to work through those things as well. And, and, and that, you know, whether it's development changes, growth, hardships. Well, and I think that that's, you know, I've said before is like, this, you know, alternative learning at home together does not guarantee you'll get the perfect relationship or the perfect yeah, child, but no. it guarantees you'll be available for the hard stuff and that that relationship will be there so that you can have those hard conversations because it's normal to be talking about these things. So, you know, that's been my experience throughout this whole journey. We've had some heartbreak that I can't imagine not having figured it out together. You know, like I can't imagine after the loss of a friend, you know, then sending my son out the door to school, right? Instead, it was like, let's cocoon for the next six months. Let's heal from this. Let's figure it out. So it does, it doesn't shield you from mental health struggles. It doesn't shield you from addiction struggles. It doesn't shield you from that, but it gives you more access so that you can help your kids navigate the way through that hard stuff. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm going to go back and clip that because that, that, I mean, yes, that is gold. I think that is, that sums it up so well. And um, yeah, thank you, Shannon. I I love that. Absolutely. Um, And I think that's important to hear as well, because in a world where only perfection is outwardly shown so much uh, and that we keep being drawn to like with social media and and only sharing often the good things, um, you know, and thinking that, you know, some just, some are meant to always just struggle and have the hardships and some just, you know, it's always perfection when everybody, you know, nobody is, nobody is free from that at all. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to ask, so I have your book, Love More, and I'm holding it up. So (laughs) in my Patreon community, you'll have the video. Um, But this book, 50 Ways to Build Joy into Childhood. And I'm bringing this in now because I also think it fits really well with what you were just sharing and what we were talking about. Uh, and it's some, and it's a book on connection and relationships, really, whether your children are going to school, whether they're homeschooling, uh, and at all ages. So is this like I want, is this something that you journaled all through the years and then you went back to the journal and thought, I'm going to come like put this together in a book to share? Is it, was there a moment where you just had to like write it down? I mean, how did, how did this come to be um, that you wrote so, this book? Yeah. So I have been writing since I was nine years old. I love writing. It is, I would say my, one of my passions, writing and young people. And uh, so for years, I wrote a blog about like working through the hard stuff with my kids and what we were doing on this learning journey. And I thought that I was going to pull all of the information from the blog and somehow like make it a book. And that felt arduous (laughs) of all the editing. And, you know, they really were written as standalone pieces. And so I then started 
to think about a talk I had given at, um, it was a talk that I gave at the Life is Good Unschooling Conference. And it was about ways to stay connected with your kids. And we brainstormed a whole bunch of ideas after that. So I was like, okay, well, let's do that. What if we break it down? And so from there, I just started myself brainstorming beyond the list. And I wanted it to be chunks of information that were easy for a parent to open and get you know you're in that moment where you think your head might explode but you want to stay you know like somebody tell me what to do and so I wanted it to be easy enough to open to a page and be like oh I can stick a candle in dinner tonight and we'll recover from this hard day because we're going to celebrate that we made it to the end of the day um and once I had all of the ideas brainstormed I could see that there was like love in action and love in relationship. And so I could see that there was clearly like two different ways. And so then I just broke it down from there. And yeah, that's how the book came to live in the world. So what is the, you know, and I, it's funny because those, those is my, that's what I have written down is love and action and love and presence. And what is the difference between those two? I think for me anyways, the love and action are things that we can do mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, blowing bubbles or having a dance party or, um, you know, sticking a candle in something. Whereas the presence is more about paying attention to who the child is in front of you mm-hmm. and applying um, patience to them or understanding, you know, the difference between a timeout and a time in. It's not you know, you're still doing something, but it is, seems a little more, um, focused on the relationship itself. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. The verb and then the being, I guess, in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think that is sometimes what we forget is in our, you know, I actually just had a recent interview with, uh, Leah Bowden, you know, modern miss, modern Miss Mason. And she's been on my show before and we just recently reconnected and she actually has a book coming out. And, you know, we talked about, and we talked about this before, but she also talks about this in her book too, but, um, and it really just came in this love and presence is so often we, as homeschooling parents, especially the early years, we want to know what to do. Like, just tell me what to do. What can I add to the list? What can, like, how can I schedule my week so that my kids get this, this, and this? Or like all of the, you know, creating those or doing those things when so much of it is actually how to be. And the big difference in being and doing. And we can still do, but when we start from the place of being, that really sets the stage for everything, like sets the stage Absolutely. for our day, our relationships, every, you know, what we're coming into it. Um, and that was, you know, that love and presence is what it really makes me think of as well. Um, or actually that's what it made me think of was love and presence. <laughs> and that, and that really it is about the being over the, the doing or that, you know, list making. Yeah. And I think that that too, we're setting that model up for our young people, right? When we're being present with them and helping them, you know, like by me investing in the relationship and learning who my kids are, then that's how they discover the world. And so I find that with both of my boys, that they listen and are present with people differently because they want to know who the person is, right? It's not, I don't know if that's translating well, but I think that that commitment to being present with them has helped them to understand how to be present with others. Oh yeah, of course. Cause they, that's what they know. That's how they've grown up. They've right. known the importance of someone being present with them and getting to know them and how it's made them feel and how it's yeah. carried on. So, you know, wh- how, what we see and hear is often what we replicate ourselves. And so that's how you set them to go up into the world and treat other people and other relationships. So yeah, absolutely. That's clear for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, so that is also a question as well. And that's a, this is a question I get often. And knowing that your boys are 18 and 20 now, um, you know, what is their reflection on their years at home with you and home educating with you? 
That's so great that you asked that because I just recently had a conversation with my oldest son about that because he is more like he doesn't want to ever stand out. He is more about like blending in. And so he was saying that he was like almost relieved to be in college now because it was easier to answer the question, you know, like, what do you do? And he's like, oh, well, I go to college and I'm working on this degree. He's like, but before when people asked me that, it was less comfortable to answer because he doesn't want to have a long conversation. He's looking for the quick in, the quick out. And so I asked him, I was like, do you regret that we learned at home together? Mm. And he said, no, I think it was a great idea that we learned at home together. Um, I just think it was harder to talk to other people about it. Mm. And I was like, okay, so that's his reflection. And my youngest (laughs) also went to college for three terms in 2021 and did fine, like the learning part, but he struggles with the system of it. Why do I have to, I got the right answer. Why do I have to tell you how I got my answer? You know, and he's just like, why do I have to write this paper? And so he did a lot of venting. And his response to me is, if you had sent me to school, I probably would have got kicked out. And he, you know, he has had a stronger personality in terms of, you're not going to tell me what to do. You know, he's definitely needed that space to make his own mistakes and to figure it out himself. So his reflection is a relief of like, thank goodness that I didn't go down that path. And um, I know that the transition for them from home learning into college that first um, term was challenging, be- mm-hmm. not because of the content, but because they had to figure out the system of how mm-hmm. do you show somebody what you know? <laughs> you know? Like, how do you put that into an equation? How do you like demonstrate understanding? And, um, and like I said, my oldest slid into that no problem. He was like, sure, I'll do whatever you need me to do. Yeah. And my youngest still was just like, look, I want to fight them. (laughs) Why do I have to do this thing? Um, Yeah. So they both, I think, were grateful for the opportunities that it gave them. Um, And because we're this far out, we can see that they, when needed to catch up to their peers, it took them six months, maybe, you know, like Mm -hmm. the it didn't, it's not like it, they feel a deficit. They both caught up in math to where they needed to be at the college level. The same with writing. Um, it was more about the structures that they needed to prove that learning. Right. Um, that's, that's fantastic because I think, well, you probably already know that's, those are big questions that parents have, right? You know, and I did too. (laughs) like when they first, when they both wanted to go to college, I, you know, like I held my breath, like this could either be a failure or, (laughs) and you know, again, leaning on that relationship, knowing whatever it ended up being, we'd find our way through it. And, um, I think that they both also, um, you know, like, I think my oldest will get a degree because that is the way that he's driven. I think my youngest might not. And he understands that there's plenty of opportunities in the world that don't involve a college degree. Um, And, you know, like back to the hockey example from the beginning, when my son fell in love with hockey, we talked about all the jobs you can do in the NHL because the reality of making it as the superstar in the NHL was very small. And so I think that that was also the opportunity we had was to present a broader representation of what being in the world and having a job looks like. And it's not always just the superstars, but everyone behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. It's a whole huge team and a bigger team, a broader organization that employs thousands of people, (laughs) thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. And I think that we've continued that approach, even as they go, you know, even once you get a degree, I got a degree in education and I'm a homeschooling mom, right? My husband got a great degree in radio and he's, you know, like head of security for a tech company. <laughs> so it, I think that that is the benefit of the home learning as well is just they understand there's so many ways to learn and there's so many ways to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there are so many ways to learn and so many ways to succeed. I think for myself as well, I, I, I mean, my degree is in international business and marketing. 
And so obviously I'm doing very different things, I guess at the same, like I have done international business. I did go into it, but then evolved into many different things. And, you know, in the end, um, the experiences of living life through the things that I did in business and traveling are what's brought me to my careers and iterations of things and yeah. what I'm doing now as well. Right. So yeah, for sure. not not like the hours in school getting that degree or taking that test. Exactly. And also a lot of it is irrelevant now because I'm 45. So what you're doing in marketing in university when I was that young, it is no longer, it's like maybe some of it, but I mean, there was no hotmail was like the new thing when I was in university. And it was like, so I remember being like my friend introduced me, introducing me to hotmail and I'm like, what, you know, and he showed me his account. He was like, you can email, you don't even have to use your university email. Like you can go anywhere and email me, you know? And <laughs> I mean, that was hotmail and we were so excited yeah. and look at now, like our kids have a handheld computer all the yeah. time. Right. So. And my husband and I watched, um, it was a Ted talk, I think, or maybe it wasn't before Ted talks actually. So <laughs> Sir Ben Robbins did a talk called Do yes. schools kill creativity. creativity. And, yeah. And in that talk, he was saying like the jobs that some of our kids are going to do don't even exist yet. Yeah. So that was really like profound for us to be like, okay, the school thinks they're preparing them for something, but that thing doesn't exist yet. So we just felt like, oh, well, we could have the freedom to allow their creativity and their team building skills and all of that to lead them towards this future that none of us, and I mean, I'm still stunned by the technologies that are all oh, yeah. around us. And um, yeah, and we don't know, we don't know where our kids are headed. <laughs> Yeah, no, we don't. We absolutely don't. Yeah. And the new technology that keeps coming up as well, too. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And I, I know recently I've seen recent posts on Facebook on different accounts I follow. And like, you know, the question that's being asked is, you know, in the comments, name one thing that um, you, they said you had to learn in school, but you've never, it's proven useless. So you've never used again or was, you know, something along those lines. And I, without fail, I've seen the whole, uh, you're never going to have a computer at hand like, or calculator, you know, the whole, like, yeah, to memory, there's no, you're never going to be walking around with a calculator all of the time. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> that's. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we do. Actually, we do. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And it's funny when I, I think it was my young, my youngest was doing math and I was like, you're doing that all in your head. Like I have to write it all down. Yeah. And I was like, you're, how do you hold all those numbers in your head? And he looked at me and he goes, what's the way I've always done it. And I like, it's that realization that I didn't interrupt his learning process by yeah. making him take it in his head and put it on paper. So he can hold this like wealth of information. Whereas I'm like, Oh, more than two numbers. I need to like, I need to physically write it down and see it because that was how, my learning was guided. So yeah. that was like, totally blew my mind that he was like, of course, that's how I figured it out. It's like, oh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Is he the one who's like asking about why do I have to show it? I can get, I got the answer right, but because <laughs> yeah. he's done it all in his head and he gets it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So I thought I would um, ask a few pages out of the book. Um, just okay. share a few things and then maybe you can elaborate on them. Does that sound good to you? Um, so like we had said that you have it broken up to love in action and love in presence. So, you know, that's about half of the book, half and half. So love and action is specific things that we can do, which is like hot dates, whipped cream, tie their laces, let them be the DJ, let them plan meals, random acts of kindness, uh, dance breaks, tell sweet stories, uh, wrestle, things like that as well. Um, there's some fantastic ideas. And then love and presence are ways of being, essentially. So um, so one of them I had, uh, and these are just, I 
randomly marked certain pages without even preparing for to bring these pages today. But obviously in my reading, I had randomly marked them. So here's one. And I think this is a, a beautiful one as well. So listen more. And you you start out by quoting Thich Nhat Hanh. And he says, deep listening is the kind of listening that can help relieve the suffering of the other person. It's hard to be a child in our world. They are shushed, made fun of, ignored, and in general, treated as treated as less than full human beings. It is also a big job to live in a body that's always growing and changing as the mind expands to understand things wider and farther away from yourself. As their mom, the greatest gift I can give is this idea of deep listening or simply sitting with them to hear their suffering. So. Um, you know, that's actually a really big thing, deep listening and sitting, simply sitting with them to hear their suffering. Could you maybe share uh, some examples or, yeah. uh, you know, how, how that has, what that has looked like for your family or how it's unfolded. And, you know, maybe a, a mother can see in this example ways that they can be in presence or, um, deep listen and share in suffering? I think that um, I I don't know when I realized that young people weren't listened to. It feels like a theme through my whole life where kids aren't being listened to. Even as um, when I was in education, I was the teacher that could help the troubled children, but really all that I was doing was listening to them. And it's in that listening that you figure out what's the unmet need. Mm. And so in our society, we're focused on stopping the behavior. And so all of our attention is like, I need this behavior to stop. Um, when there's something going on behind the behavior. And so the example I'll use, and I can't remember if it's in the book or not, but we had gone shopping. And before we went in the store, I had laid out like this, we're going to buy one thing, right? And we were there, we enter the store and there are Spider-Man pajamas right there. And that's it. My oldest is in. He wants the Spider-Man pajamas. He's <laughs> of course. And then, but we're there also to get a blanket for his brother's bed. So we go upstairs and now there's a Batman blanket and a Spider-Man blanket and an impossible decision because we don't have the financial resources for both at this time. And so my then six-year-old is lying in the aisle having a full meltdown. And I've got eyes on me, you know, and you start to feel that panic. What are people thinking? What are people judging? How are they but to sit down on the floor with him and listen and realize it was an impossible decision for a six-year-old to make. Mm. Buddy, I, that is, you're right. Spider-Man pajamas or a Spider-Man blanket. How will you make that decision? You're, he's six. You know, like yeah. It was impossible. And so then it, there was the opportunity. And what we ended up doing in that situation was like, let's bring a blanket home today. And Christmas was coming up. And I was like, and let's put the Spider-Man pajamas on your wish list. And so, you know, it was the need for him was help to make the decision, but also to know he could have both some way. Right. And so it would have been easy to scoop it. You know, like my instinct from the way I was parented was like, you spoil brat, we're up and out of here. Like, you know, yeah. you want everything you... And none of that was true. None of it was true. He felt overwhelmed by the decision in front of him. How could he choose between these two amazing things? Um, and so I feel like the, even just sitting down and listening to him helped me to see what the problem was and to put down my own worry about him being spoiled or what you like, whatever that narrative was. Um, and when I listen, I can hear. But when I like when I listen to relieve him of his suffering. I listen with my full presence. When I listen to solve his problems, I'm listening to respond. Right. And so I think that that in that particular situation, I needed to hear what was troubling him so that we could move past it. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's very clear. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> very, very clear. Yeah. That was a great example. Fantastic. Because I, ju I, I just do, I think that especially when you're out in public with your young people, it's harder 
because they all the eyes too as well. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. All the eyes, all the eyes is the one thing. And also, you know, they're trying to fit into situations that are for adults. (laughs) So you're not, you know, and we're expecting them to behave and think like adults. Right. Which is just pretty high expect, like it's unreasonable, really. More time, yeah, more exactly. often than not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 more ways than one, <laughs> really. Yeah, <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. I think sometimes we, if we do take a moment to stop and think, okay, so I'm looking th- at this through my eyes of however old you happen to be, you know, whether you're 30, 35, 25, 45, 50, whatever. And, and remember, try and think back to when you were six or even when you were 10 and the feelings and thoughts that you had at a certain situation and how you think of them now, you know, how different it really was. And to, again, put yourself in those shoes of, okay, if I was six years old right now in this situation, think back, like, how would I, would I see it the way I'm seeing it now after all these years of experience and changes and and all these sort of things? And almost always I'm like, no, that's not at all how I would see it. <laughs> it is exactly. completely different. Yeah. And I probably don't even get it right now as a parent. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. So another one you have is say yes, as much as possible. And building magical childhoods involves saying yes, as much as possible. Others examples of saying yes, include maybe later. Let's explore that a little further. We can save up for that. Let's research other ways. You get my drift. So this one is a great one because sometimes you also hear through, you know, attachment parenting or gentle parenting, the other side of permissive parenting. And that just always saying yes is like just letting your kids rule your life, rule you and run like crazy hooligans all over the place. And that is, it's not presence, it's permi- per- permissive. Uh, I love the ideas or those examples that you give. Maybe later we can save up for that. Let's research other ways. What would you say to the idea that um, that parent gentle parenting is just really permissive parenting? Well, it, <laughs> I've heard that before. We actually, my husband and I have have talked a lot about that um, because it it. Let me think about the, uh, how I want to say this. Permissive is, we have to remember our kids are going to go and live in a society, mm-hmm. right? And in a society, there are rules. You have to wear shoes in a hotel. Even if you are at a unschooling conference where parents let their children go more freely in the world, we're still a part of society. And so <laughs> I think the difference is I say yes But if my child says, hey, mom, I, you know, at 10 years old, let's go buy some beer and drink beer. Well, no, (laughs) you know, like, yes, when you are 19 years old, you can experiment with alcohol. But right now, your body doesn't know how to process that here. And then you we you can even sit down or we have sat down and be like, this is what alcohol does to your body. This is how alcohol hurts your body, not to villainize it, but to give them information. And so I think that the idea of permissive parenting can be you don't get involved. Whereas Mm -hmm. present parenting means you are present with what's going on for your child. And so often if I can be the yes person, like, Hey mom, let's build a fort that goes to the moon. Absolutely. Let's be, let's build that fort. At some point, the fort doesn't get to the moon, right? You're forever the person that tried with them and that gave it your all with them. So I think that when I think about the the difference, it's like, it's saying yes to the adventure. It's saying yes to the requests within the confines of the society we live within. You know, like we don't get to break the rules because we're doing it differently, right? There's consequences to that. There's consequences. And, you know, this is one Example is the kids got into the teen years that they both were horrified by. But I was like, guys, you're getting older. You're going to be curious about sex and about bodies and about all of this. And I need you to know if you go looking for that stuff online, 
you could end up in a bad place that has consequences for dad and I, because we own your computers and you don't know that you're looking at the right sites. I will help you to find safe places to get those answers. I mean, they were both like, la, 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 la. <laughs> I don't want to hear this mom, but I needed them to know yeah. that, yes, you can learn about this and you can explore this and be curious about this in a safe way that doesn't have consequences for our family because neither of them want dad and I to get charged with, you know, child pornography. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess that's what I would say is the difference between that sort of presence and permissive permissive is that you don't get to do everything you want to do just because you want to do it because there are laws and rules and (laughs) ways that we live in the society. And when I'm present with you, I can be curious with you and I can find what it is that you're needing and help you meet that need. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. And I, I, and you had said permissive is you don't get involved and that's so key. And that's the opposite. Present is absolutely, you, you hear them, you can support them and what they need. And yeah, you are involved. You're not, you're not, okay, just do whatever you want. That is not getting involved. And that's a big difference. I I think that sometimes is a, is unclear about unschooling. Um, And when I hear some people, you know, I was, you know, like, I, I just, you know, it was too much because just letting my kids do what they want and, you know, not having anything. And I was exhausted, you know, like there was, you know, I've, you know, different things that I hear, but often, the underlaying is is it's permissive. It's not setting the foundation or values, community, you know, the connection and communication that is actually really vital in that and the difference between permissive and present. And that yeah, was and very I, clear how you laid it out. Yeah, because we are living within a family together. And we have yes. you know, it's four people. There's four yes. sets that need to be met. And sometimes dad's going to have to hold his needs and sometimes you're going to have to hold your needs, but we're all going to get our needs met. And I think that that's, you know, like the permissiveness or the exhaustion can come from thinking the child is the one that always gets to get their needs met and to drive the ship. But we always saw it as the four of us are driving this ship and some, you know, like, so there has to be that no getting negotiations and like you said the foundations and boundaries yeah (laughs) yes yeah if I'm not teaching my kids how to set boundaries then who is right and it's essential to thrive in this world that's right and setting up our own personal boundaries it starts with us uh, setting up and, and understanding and knowing our boundaries and why it's important and then and then again, yeah, our family unit is part of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you're someone who's listening and you've listened to my episodes or anything before, you know, I talk a lot about values and purpose foremost and, and the communication and that's, you know, setting your foundation for that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I love Thank you so much, Shannon. <laughs> so good. Okay. So I'll share one more here and then... Um, and then after that, we can, I, I would love you to share how we can connect with you and get your book as well. But so one more. So you talked about the family mission statement going on with this. When the boys were young, we decided to make a family mission statement. If memory serves me, the boys were about three and five at the time. We sat down together, the four of us, and discussed how we all wanted to feel in the family, things people could do to help with that. And what we wanted to be as a family together. It was playful as the boys were young. I captured the key words that truly resonated with each one of us. Including the boys in the process was crucial. It conveyed to them that they were ascent or they are essential members of our family and that what they desire to feel and have in our family is as important as what their dad and I want. This is not a list of rules we are putting onto our children. Together, we were designing an anchor for future discussions and decisions. Yeah. So good. And I actually, I just want to, you know, when you had broken it down as discussed how we all wanted to feel in the family, things people could do to help with that, and what we wanted to be as a family together. Presence, not the the list of to-dos. Exactly. And it's so easy to, for you know, it's so easy to forget the kids 
right? Mm -hmm. And think that we know more. But some of the things that the kids brought to the table, to the discussion, like I want to feel loved and I want to feel, um, I want to, I, yeah, I, I don't have specifics that are popping into my head right now, but it was just so rich and it gave them a sense of belonging. Mm. And I think that that's what we're all searching for sometimes yeah. in the world is a sense of belonging. And if they knew that they belonged here where they would be supported unconditionally, then you have that anchor to sort of like launch out in the world and try hard things because you know, you have something to come back to. I belong in this unit they got me no matter what I go out and do. And it really was the anchor that allowed us to leave Canada and come to the U.S. because it was dad chasing a dream. And we all wanted dad to have his dreams come true. It hasn't been easy. <laughs> um, but when it is a decision that's based on supporting someone conditionally, it isn't we're doing this to you. We're doing this for our family. Um, and, you know, it has served in all the decisions. And I'll say even, I think it was a year ago this time, my oldest did come to me in tears saying, I don't feel supported by this family right now. And I was crushed, right? Because you think you're going along, we got this, we got this. And then you hit something. Yeah. But he that mission statement gave him the words to come back to us and say, I don't feel supported in this family right now. So it was like, we dropped everything and it was like, okay, we need to have some discussions then. What would it look like for you to feel supported? Where are we misstepping? And it has been like an essential step that needed to happen for me to let him go as a young adult in a lot of ways, right? Like supporting him meant trusting him as an adult in the world mm -hmm. and not treating him like he was a child and you know so all of this so from the age of five when he was involved in the writing of that how do you want to feel supported in this family and you like jump forward 15 years that same anchor is what brought him back to be like you're actually not holding up your end of the deal anymore right. I was like damn <laughs> you from the tears and I'll be right back and have that hard conversation so it you know it gives us a conversation to come back to over and over again Mm, yeah. And the space to, to begin that conversation as well. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Not just have the words, but like, yeah, I know I'm going to be heard. Yeah, I got to back it up. Yeah. 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 That deep listening, mom, we did that deep listening. I know it's going to continue. So yeah. Sharing yeah. the suffering. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, it has been a pleasure. <laughs> I've had so much fun. <laughs> oh, I love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. I'm like, you know, my, I'm just, yeah, I feel, I feel very emotional right now. It's been, it's, yeah, a, it's great, a good conversation. Yeah. Really good conversation. Um, I think just because I connect with so much of what you have been living and what you feel and believe. And I just love the communication that you've set um, for your family, that your family is practiced and set as well. Uh, so please let us know how can we connect with your book or how can we get your book love more? And if anyone would like to reach out and connect with you, can they, and if they can, yes. how can they? So first, where can we get your book love more? It is everywhere. Um, you can get it on my website if you want a signed copy and it's breakingdaylight.org, And there's a link to the shop. It's also on like bookshop.org, Amazon, all the big places. And you're more than welcome to reach out to me. I am, my email is shannon at breakingdaylight.org. I absolutely love engaging in conversation around this topic with people. I also want to make sure that if you're listening and you're like, I really want a copy of the book, but I don't have the resources right now. Don't be afraid to reach out to me. I'm happy to send it to you because it's more means more to me to get the book into the hands of people who are really wanting to connect with their kids than it is to make any dollar amount. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So I will include the links in the show notes as well. So if you're listening and you can just go to the show notes and click and I'll have to your website and to your book and I'll include your email in that as well. And you also have an Instagram. So, I do, and that's Shannon Breaking Daylight. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I'll include that as well, too. Awesome. Awesome. All right. 
thank you so much. Um, I definitely had get the book and like, you know, it's, I was, the passages I was reading, they're almost like little chapters, two page chapters unto themselves. And that's how the book is set up. So you really almost could pick it up in the middle and read a few chapters, a few bits. You could start from the beginning and read to the end. Um, And that's what I love is how it works for you. It's not a, you, you start it this way. It's you start it as is, as you need it. (laughs) So absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Shannon, and definitely reach out. Breakingdaylight.org is Shannon's website. And yeah, I encourage you to reach out for sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website, imhomeschooling.com, or email me directly, robin at imhomeschooling.com. 